This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. It's good to be back together, see some of your faces, you're singing, we can hear voices a little bit better when the masks are off, that's great. Uh, if, you're, if you're just jumping in with us uh, here at our church, we are, we're in the thick of a sermon series uh, that's in the book of Exodus, uh, which is an Old Testament book. If you're new to the Bible, uh, if you've brought a Bible, I'd, I'd invite you to go ahead and open those uh, in whatever format you have it uh, to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, and we're in some very familiar territory to, to many of us, uh, which is uh, the Ten Commandments. So we, uh, we, the plan is actually not for us just to do the Ten Commandments and then something else. We're actually going to continue on uh, and try to finish uh, the rest of the book of Exodus through the summer. So, uh, but this morning we are looking at the Fourth Commandment. And if you've been if you've been around our church for the last I don't know four or five weeks, you'll know that you're a little dizzy about the orientation and the order. We we had some various reasons of taking them out of order, and so let me just reorient you really quick. Um, Jesus uh, he summarized uh, the, the moral law uh, that's contained in the Ten Commandments when somebody came up and asked him, "Teacher, what's the greatest one?" Right? He he was looking you know for an answer from from Jesus, this great rabbi, and he said, "What's the greatest commandment?" And Jesus summarized them in a twofold fashion. He says. You you know, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and likewise to love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of people who study the Bible and go into depth, um, you know, they, they, they build that structure that Jesus gave into these 10 commandments. And they say the first four commandments um, are the love, love the Lord your God portion of the commandments. And then the latter six are the love your neighbor as yourself portion. So, um, of course, loving God is included in all of them, um, but that's a helpful kind of, you know, template to think about these Ten Commandments. So this morning we're looking at the fourth commandment, which would be the, you know, the last one in the love the Lord your God um, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength portion. And before I read it, um, I know we're all grieving different losses in what has now been the longest 15 months of any of our lives. Um, But one of the things which is you know, rather trivial in nature. I, I, I fully realize that. But one of the things we're grieving that happened to us during our pandemic is our three-year-old little girl um, dropped her afternoon nap. Um, if you, now, now, young parents, I know you're grieving with mine. Uh, you older parents who still take an afternoon nap, I know you're not even grieving at all. Um, but, but the dropping of the nap is like a major deal, right? Because, you, you know, when you've got young children, you just get that little two-hour window in the, in the morning or the afternoon where you just get, you get to catch your breath or feed your body or, you know, do anything without the child attached to you. And so sometime in the pandemic, I don't, I don't even know what month we're in right now, but uh, sometime in the pandemic, our little daughter dropped her nap. But for those of you that have been through this process, you'll know it's like, um, it's just going against the grain um, because you're just fighting it so hard. And there was this, there was this two-week period where, where Heather and I were just in denial that this was happening. And so we were like, like forcing the nap. Right, like you just she she needs it. She's tired. She's grouchy by the end of the day. She still needs the nap. But like it, it, it ended up being like this, you know, this hour hamster wheel of, of us just spinning around with her, and then finally she didn't take the nap. Um, God um, is is kind of uh, he's kind of forcing us to take a nap. 
Um, in, in, just bear with me for a minute. In, in the fourth commandment, what God is doing is he's, he's, he's telling his people, hey, I know, I know you because I made you. And I, and, and I made you um, to be restful type of people. And I know as adults, like if somebody told you to take a nap this afternoon, we would all be for it. Um, and, and that's kind of what the fourth commandment might feel like at first take. Like, why is God mandating us to rest? Why is that important? Let me read the fourth commandment. Um, it's contained again in Exodus chapter 20. Um, it's several verses, beginning in verse 8, going down through verse 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray and ask God to bless the preaching of his word this morning. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. Um, it is true and accurate and relevant to our lives. Um, I pray now that through the working of your spirit in your people, uh, that you would give us uh, ears to hear your voice and eyes uh, to see the truth and hearts that would embrace uh, what we hear and see in your word this morning. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I mentioned this a little while back. Um, we've got some older model uh, Toyota vehicles that we love keeping alive. I've got a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, I've got some serious major mileage goals for this thing. And recently, uh, the gas gauge broke. So there was a funny story behind that. Not sharing that this morning, but I ran out of gas, and that's how I discovered that my gas gauge was broken. And I took it in. Um, you know, I took it into to my mechanic guy that that helps us keep our old Toyotas alive. And I, I told him, like, hey, it looks like the, the gauge is broke. What does that look like? Is it worth fixing? How much does it cost? And he, you know, he's a super honest guy. Uh, love our mechanic. I'll give you his number after service if you want it. Um, but he was just like, you know what? It's, it's probably going to cost at least $500 for me to get, it, get in there and kind of figure out if it's in the tank or if it's, you know, electronic or kind of where the problem is. So at minimum, $500. Pro, you know, could get up there to a thousand just to kind of tell you where gas is. And he says, you know, he's like, you, you know, I'll fix it for you, of course, if you want. He said, but you could, you can always gauge where your gas is by watching the mileage, right? Like that's how you can, you can kind of tell. And I know my truck really well, so I know that on a on a normal tank of gas, I'm refilling right up around 300 miles. Uh, when I ran out of gas, I had 400 miles on the tank. So that gas light, yes, you can push it, gentlemen. It can go further than you ever even imagined. Um, but I decided, you know, like, uh, let's just save the money. I can keep my eye on the mileage. You know, no big deal. It's how, you know, I can gauge it, you know, any, any, in other ways. And um, that, that, little, that little piece of information, just, you know, the, the way we gauge things in our life. Um, here's, here's the kind of the big working idea that I want to, I want you to begin to just kind of assess in your own life. 
is how do we gauge um, delight and joy? So those are some really big concepts that have all kinds of misunderstanding, but I think this commandment uh, uniquely has the capacity to help us gauge whether we are living lives that are full of delight and joy or whether we're actually kind of running on fumes uh, and we have very little delight and joy in our lives. Uh, before we really unfold the, pack, the, the passage together, here's, here's what I'm not interested in. Um, you know, if you've been around Christianity, you'll know this is probably one of the most contentious uh, commandments in the 10. Uh, it, is, it is largely debated and analyzed, and, uh, you know, it, it, does the Sabbath apply for today for the Christian? Uh, is Jesus just the Lord of the Sabbath, and he, you know, with, you know, did this away with this one? Uh, what day should the Sabbath be on? Is it Saturday, like it was for the ancient Israelites? Is it Sunday now, the Lord's Day? I'm, 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 I'm not really interested in any of that, because I think most of the discussion around this commandment is missing the whole point. I think God gives us this commandment for us to assess and be honest uh, with uh, the delight and the joy in our lives. Because if you remember, and, and I, I want to remind us, that these commands were being thundered out from a mountain to hundreds of thousands of people who less than 90 days ago, like this was only three months ago, were in bondage in Egypt. and They were slaves under a, a tyrannical rule uh, that, that, that broke them for hundreds of years. And when, and when I say, you know, slaves, like, they didn't, ha they didn't have weekends. <laughs> they didn't have paid time off. They didn't have a day off. So 90 days after leaving that situation, God brings them to this mountain, and he tells them to rest. And, you know, out, out, you know, out the gate, you might think, oh, wow, they must have been so excited about this. Like, God's commanding them to rest. But, but my thinking is that they would have been incredibly disrupted by this. And my thinking is that actually we are incredibly disrupted when God tells us to rest. And I want to help us to discover why that's so disruptive to us. So we're going to, you know, when you, when you preach each commandment uh, one by one, you, you can only get so creative uh, in the way you break it down. But we're going to latch on to three words in the first verse. Um, so we're going to latch on to the word remember, uh, the word Sabbath, and then the word holy. So remember Sabbath and holy for you note takers out there. Um, and then I think the rest of the, the verses kind of really give more color to those words. So uh, again, verse 8 says this, remember the Sabbath day. What, what is it that we're supposed to remember? A, a memory or remembering something is just an internal reflection, right, that impacts your external behaviors, so what the command is, um, and it's, uh, it's, I won't get all fancy with the Hebrew, but the, the form of the verb, um, it's, it's emphatic. And so it's almost repeating itself, like remember to remember. Remember to remember what? What is it that, they want, that, that God wants us to internally reflect upon that, that affects our external behaviors? Um, well, here, uh, later down in verse 11, it connects us to an event and a place uh, and in the, the event in the place is creation and Eden. So what, he's, what God's wanting us to do 
is to remember Eden. Remember the garden. Remember the, that, that I'm the creator is what God is saying. So w- what is it that we, you know, if we think about and reflect upon, you know, the garden and Eden and, and God being the creator, what is it that that's supposed to do inside of us? Well, the first thing it's supposed to do is just simply remind you that you are a creature. And creatures have limits. And creatures were never intended to be um, always on. And uh, creatures were made to have like margin and space in their life. And so, you know, really the commandment is inviting us uh, to remember our finiteness. Like it's okay to just be a creature. Um, But the second thing, and you don't see it in this um, passage, you actually see it in Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is is where the the Ten Commandments are, it's called a reiteration of the law. They come up again. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, uh, the, the, the language of the commandment actually changes. And it's not like God was changing his mind, but it says, remember that you were slaves. So it says, don't only, don't just remember Eden, Remember Egypt. It says, remember that you were, you were in bondage. So w- what happens when you reflect on that? Okay, so, you know, to my knowledge, none of you have, you know, been enslaved uh, to the degree that these Israelites were, but there's, there's metaphorical connections to this, right? So, I mean, the mentality of enslavement is that you cannot liberate yourself from it, right? Like you've got an oppressor. And God is telling us, uh, remember, uh, you, you too once were enslaved. You have, a, you have a, a propensity, you have a bent, you have an inclination to actually love your enslavement. If you've been with us in the book of Exodus, you'll know that time and time again, the Israelites say, you know what? Life in Egypt wasn't really that bad. Like, it really, it wasn't all that bad. You know, we had good food and drink and you know, we, we were provided for. And so, you know, slaves are very comfortable and familiar uh, with, with those circumstances. So the commandment's saying, listen, remember you were a cr- you're a creature and remember Eden. And then remember that you once were a slave and remember Egypt and that I'm your redeemer. And um, here's, here's, I mean, let me just do a little bit of just modern application for us. So, you know, the Eden part, if you remember Eden... Um, you have limits. Uh, you can only do so much. I mean, how many of us would, you know, frequently, maybe even out loud, say things like, if I just had more hours in the day, right? Like, that's just like a common, you know, buzzing phrase inside of us. So if I just had more time, I could get more done. I mean, I mean, we live in the land. You drink water that says, you know, like, work ethic, you know, build your life by working really hard. You, you, all of us have been drinking from that fountain our whole entire lives. And so, you know, the invitation of the fourth commandment is saying, listen, you're just a creature and it's okay to be just a creature. Um, and then, and then the, the Egypt portion of it, uh, you know, the, again, these, these people that were originally hearing this commandment, they're 90 days out of their enslavement. Their, their wounds are still really raw. Like they, they would have, 
they would have related to this commandment in a whole different way. But like, I want you to, to think about yourself like that. What is it that has captivated your heart so much? And when I say work, we're going to talk about work. It does not just mean, um, you know, what you do for, you know, gainful employment. Um, work is like that internal churning that justifies your existence. Now, many of us use our work, our employment to do that. Um, but it's not just that. You can be retired and, you know, sitting on a, a large nest egg and still always be working. Right? So, like, it's, it's deeper than that. And, and what, I'm, what I'm after today, what I think the Lord's after today is us feeling that internal churning inside of us that has us enslaved. We've been captured. We've been oppressed by it. What is it? So that's what God's asking us to remember um, in, the, in the fourth commandment. Remember you're a creature and you have limits. Remember that you have a history of being a slave. So let's talk about the day itself. Uh, Sabbath. Let's, let's talk about that word Sabbath. The word, um, it sounds really religious uh, perhaps to our modern ears, but it simply means to cease or to stop. It's saying, listen, you have to have a stop day. You have to have a shut down day. You have to have a day where you can put a halt to the daily grind, the mundane, the routine, the constant go, go, go that, you know, we all live. So what, what God is not assigning is like it has to be this day. He's saying, here's the principle. You're going to work six and then you're going to stop for one. And, and, and again, the stopping is not just clocking into work. It's, this is not a day off. This is not just like an unplug and recharge, you know, weekend of, you know, watching golf. Like, it's, it's so much more than that. It, it's, it's, a, it's a day of, of deep, genuine rest in a way that if you'll stop, so if you'll slow your pace down, it will give you new perspective on the world around you. I mentioned this earlier. Let me just reiterate it. I don't think it, um, that God is specifying a day. Now, uh, for, I, I do think Sunday is a great day to be your Sabbath. Um, it doesn't work for me and my family. Uh, Sundays are, are not the most restful day where we can, where we can do the things that, that the Sabbath asks us into. Uh, Saturday's our, our day for that. But for, for many of you, Sunday is a great day. The way our, you know, American calendars work and, you know, the way our workflow works, like Sunday is a great day for that. Um, so let me just say that now. But, but before we kind of dive into the details of what the day might look like, here's what I think um, the day is, is, is created for. So because it's tied to creation, God, he, he, he did it, right? He Sabbathed. He stopped. It says, you know, the Lord made the heavens and the earth in six days and on the seventh day, he Sabbathed. He stopped. Well, we know that, you know, God didn't stop out of a, so, you know, he wasn't depleted or exhausted. He didn't just need a day off to kick his feet back. What he did was he stopped to enter into the delight of the day. He stopped to enter into the joy of what he had just done. He stopped and he entered into a new realm and he invited us into that realm the realm of delight and joy. So that's what the day is. But again, I want to get to like what it could look like, but I want you to feel why we have a hard time doing it. Why is it that we cannot stop? We can't seem to stop. 
Here, here's, here's my, my guess. What happens when you stop? Like when, when, when the frantic busyness that we love to load our calendars with and our days with, whether it's, again, work or just household chores or, you know, yard projects or youth sports or, you know, whatever that is, you know, fill in the blank for you. What happens if we would commit to stopping doing that? We, we meet ourselves. <laughs> and if you don't think, here's, here's the thing about you, because it's true of me. We are very uncomfortable with ourselves. And here's how I know when I've had a really uncomfortable just being around myself kind of week. Um, I look at my screen time on my phone. Do you ever look at that? Like how much time did I spend on my phone this week? It, it tells you. It's terrifying sometimes, so, you know, forewarning. That's scary territory. But I know that I have had a terrible week with myself if I've had high usage on my phone. Because what do we do when we're by ourselves? Like when you pull up at a red light, because we know nobody's doing this when you're driving. When you pull up at a red light, where, where do you go? You got to see, you know, did somebody ding in on my email box? Does somebody need me? What's going on on social? You know, like there, there is this great, you know, just unease of being alone with ourselves. And that's what stopping does. It invites us to, to meet ourselves. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the existential crisis, I think, of the Sabbath. Is all of us are terrified of ourselves and what we might meet. And so here's, you know, again, this is the thing that fuels our activity is we must always be on. Because if you're always on, if you're always, you know, ticking off a a to-do list or you're always incessantly checking your inbox or you're always running from thing to thing to thing, um, you're never never meeting really what's going on inside. You're never meeting with yourself. And God's saying, listen, I need you to stop to be with yourself so you can enter into this new realm with me so that you can experience really the deep lasting delight and joy that I made you for you cannot you cannot you cannot experience what I made you for at your current frantic pace of living is what God's saying if you want to experience what you I really made you for I need you to observe this day I need you to stop just stop that's all he tells us to do is he tells us cease and so, again, it's terrifying to us. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I quote him a good bit. Um, he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, and it's, it's kind of biographical in nature. It's telling about autobiographical in nature. It's talking about his, his life and his conversion experience. And the way he talks about joy, I just came across this this week. Uh, he, he describes joy as stabs. Uh, he says that they're, they're stabs of joy. And, and what he means by that is like, you know, maybe some of you have been stabbed. I haven't, but I could imagine. It's like a quick jolt. Um, and what it does is it, it, it exposes, it highlights pain in you, actually. And that's how C.S. Lewis describes joy. He says, like, listen, if you'll do this Sabbath thing, you're actually going to get stabbed by joy. And it's not like what you think joy is, right? Joy, joy to us just kind of, it's like, you know, your daughter's birthday party with lots of pink and balloons and sugar like it's not that it's stabs of joy because what it does is it's actually going to expose you to yourself and the things that are lacking in your life 
Um, but it's it's actually where God's work of delight can can function best. Like if you will just stop and and do this commandment, um, you'll experience joy like you've never had it before. So that's that's kind of the breakdown of the commandment. Now I want to I want to make this last point super practical. Well, as practical as I can get by talking about the word holy. Um, when 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 you hear the word holy, uh, you probably think religious. Uh, you think like, you know, you know, keep the day holy. So you should go to church and maybe pray or read your Bible or have some, you know, community and fellowship with another believer. Like, that's usually what we think holy means. Again, holy was not a particularly religious word. Um, it simply means set apart or unique or consecrated. Like, it's a different kind of day. Now, is church attendance and prayer and Bible part of it? Sure, it could be. But, but what God's saying is like, this day has to be different. It's set apart for something. And if, here's what I know you want right now, like in closure. You're like, okay, Adam, you've kind of broken it down at a really high level that I may have caught parts of. So give me a list, right? Like we all want a list. Like, okay, so what do I do? And God never does that. He doesn't ever just say like, hey, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. Like you can, you know, check your email box at the end of the day, but you can't be on social media. Like it's, it's, I'm going to like do my best to refrain from attempting to give you any sort of list that you can build of like what you should do. Um, but, but here's, here's what I do want to do. I want to give you um, kind of just some big, big ideas, big picture, and then maybe I'll flesh it out in practicality because here's. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what Jesus meant was like, listen, I didn't give you this commandment for you just to get it right. Like he didn't just lay this out like to, so you can just, you know, really rock and roll on a commandment. Like, oh, I am carving this day out and I will go to church and I will, you know, eat leftovers and not cook. And I will, you know, like all the things that we usually build on this day. Like Jesus saying, listen, it wasn't made for you just to get it right. It was made for you to get me right. So it, w- it was made for you to, you know, get the delight that your heart is, is aching for. So here's, here's a few things about holy that I think will help you engage in this in some practical wins, ways. The first thing is that you should prepare for it. So whatever, whatever your day is, uh, there should be an, a buildup and an anticipation to this day. All right, so like it, it, would, it could mean like actually doing things that you do need to get done because we do, we do have laundry that needs to be done and house projects that need to be done. But like there, th- there's some level of preparation and anticipation to the day. There's a buildup, right? There's a looking forward to it. Sabbath is coming. Delight is on our doorstep. We are moving in that direction. And, 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 then, and then the other piece about preparation is that, you know, I think a lot of us think about Sabbath as resting from our work. I would love to reorient that as as resting toward your work. So a lot of us think like, oh, like at the end, you know, this weekend mentality. Right? I feel like some of us just look at the weekend as like, you know, kind of our call to worship. You know, Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Like that, that, I don't think that's the orientation of the Sabbath. I think the Sabbath is come and experience delight like you've never experienced it before. And that will carry you through the rest of your work. So it's not a it's not a resting from work, it's a resting towards work. 
And if you're going to do that, you have to prepare. You have to plan. And you might even have to say no to things, right? You, and, and some of you are like in the back of your mind, you're thinking, there's just no way I could pull this off. Like my clients need access to me all the time. If I'm not available, I'll lose business. I will disappoint people. And, and that might be true. You, you may disappoint people. You might even lose business. But you will, you will get something incredibly more rich if, you will, if you'll make this day holy, if you'll set it apart. So prepare is the one practical princess, uh, pr- principle. Uh, the second one is to um, what I'll, I'll just use the language of like senses. I think that the Sabbath um, was made for your senses, uh, th- th- you, you think about, I mean, again, remembering creation. Like God wants you, um, I mean, I think part of it could be outdoors. Like this is great, start to Sabbath. Um, God gave you taste buds. Like I, I think Sabbath is a great day for you to eat really good food, um, for you to participate in, in slow meals with each other, uh, for you to, to, to get the best food. Like we eat, it, like we eat thick bacon on Saturday, not Oscar Myers. Like you, you, you pull out Costco bacon on on Sunday, or you know, on your Sabbath, or the best coffee. Like these are ways. If you'll, if you will engage with your sensual life with God, you'll begin to, you'll begin to again experience delight and joy. And uh, so, so engaging your senses, it should be a very sensual day for you aromas and feels and wind and walk with your kids and laughter um, and, and all of those things, it, it opens your heart up to God in new ways when you will engage with him in your senses. And then the third kind of category, just in, in practical application, and this, this is the most dangerous. This is the most risky and, this is, and that's why the Sabbath actually is the most dangerous and risky day of your week. Like if you will take this commandment seriously, you're putting yourself at great risk um, by doing this thing. And I'll just call it being playful. I don't know, you know how into the Enneagram stuff you are, um, but I'm a three. And threes, um, you know, they're achievers or performers. So we love to work. And so this idea of being playful is, it's almost offensive. Like it's just really hard for me to do something for the sake of play and pleasure. And, and I, you know, again, I think, I think God, you know, he will, he will disrupt your life if you'll invite him in to, to things like play with you. Because this is why playfulness is risky and vulnerable. If, if you are willing to put yourself out there in a really playful way, what you're saying is, um, I'm going to abandon myself um, to, 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 to playing. And it has no reward attached to it. It has no, you know, it's not efficient. It's not productive. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not helping me out in any way. And what you risk is that God would look at you and be disappointed. Like you, you th- that's what playfulness does inside of you. Like I'm going to put myself out there, but what if God won't play with me? Because, you know, again, I think so many of us um, 
you know, drinking the water of our American culture that just says you must be productive and efficient your entire life. We are allergic to being playful. There's a ton of risk involved with this. You know, the higher you set the standard for this day, you know, the greater the risk of the fall for you is, which is why, and I'll, and I'll just kind of close on this practical note, which is why I would say if you've never done a day like this, you might have to ease into it. Like, I don't want you to, like, go out, you know, I painted this picture of this incredible day, and you're going to go out there because you're a three like me, and you're going to have the best day ever. Like, you, you, might, you might not even be able to do a day. Like, you might just say, we're going to have a Sabbath afternoon. Like, we're going to carve these three hours out, and we're going to put our phones, you know, in the nightstand, and we're going to, you know, play with our kids and eat some good food. We're going to go to, you know, Whole Foods and pay, you know, give them all our money for the best food. And, um, and, and that, friends, is what the Sabbath is about. It's an, it's an invitation to be playful with God. It's an invitation to experience delight and joy like we were made for. But here, and I, and I want to close with this, here is why it's so hard. Like, am I, I, I can't imagine I'm the only one that has a hard time you know, shutting down the laptop, you know, putting the phone away, staying present with my kids, not rushing through the meals just to get through the meal, right? Or, or numbing out, just, you know, zoning out on, on Netflix, binging. All, you know, like, I, I just know that I'm not the only one, and here's, here's why I think Sabbath is so hard, and here's why it would have been really hard for these original hearers is because we have broken hearts. And when we stop and we meet our hearts, like we meet ourselves and what hap- you know, what's happened to us, we're really terrified. And we find a day of pure delight, joy, and play really threatening. Work feels much safer. Uh, Final final note here, great movie recommendation. This one's worth jotting down, I think. It's fairly short. Great title, too. It's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, real short film, Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime, so if you've got the Prime Video thing, you can stream it there. Peanut Butter Falcon is about uh, this young man named Zach uh, who has Down syndrome. He's a 22-year-old man who um, escapes uh, the retirement home to which he's been placed in uh, in order to attend a wrestling school in uh, North Carolina. He's got big dreams of uh, meeting uh, salt, uh, Saltwater Redneck is the name of the, the wrestler. And I can't tell you the whole movie, but he escapes and he meets a fellow traveler on the road uh, who's, a, who's a small town outlaw running from, from the troubles of his life. And in the movie, it shows the story of this man. His name's Tyler. And uh, it's apparent that he was uh, responsible, uh, f- at least partially responsible for the death of his brother uh, through a drunk driving accident. And they keep doing flashbacks of this. And throughout this movie, this man is so resistant uh, to being playful with, with Zach, uh, this other traveler who is incredibly fun and playful and humorous. And you, you, you just see this wearing this man down, this man who's been broken and hurt and he's disgusted with himself. He's got no delight, no joy in his life. He's just kind of 
pressing through on this journey that he's promised to take this young guy down to the wrestling school. But there's this great scene in the movie uh, where they pause for a day um, and they're at a field and, uh, and they pause for wrestling training. And I feel like that was the, the tipping point for Tyler was he opened himself up to the friendship with Zach. In, in a way that was it was just beautifully portrayed on, on film. They were you know they were rolling in, in, in the grass and you know pushing bales of hay and, and they were just they were just playing together. And for me that was a picture of the Sabbath that God is inviting his people to. A day where you can just be with your creator who has redeemed you from your enslavement and he's inviting you to delight with him. And the only reason you can do that without feeling utterly you know, vulnerable and at risk is because of the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. That if there's any resistance in you to like, how could I do a day like that? Here is how. It's discovered in, in some of the final words that Jesus uttered while he was on earth when he said, it is finished. What is finished? Here's what's finished. And this is good news for everyone who's here this morning hearing this. Here's what's finished. You no longer have to justify your existence because that's what our activity and our busyness and our work does inside of us. It says, this makes me worth living. This makes me worth, you know, this is why you can love me, God. Look at how hard I work. Look at all I'm doing for my family. Look at what I'm doing. And Jesus says, that will exhaust you. You don't have to justify your existence anymore because it is finished. The reason anyone, and, and, and I mean anyone, anyone can enter into a playful, loving delighting relationship with God the Father is because Jesus Christ has secured that relationship. There's no risk involved. There's no chance that God will turn his face and betray you. There's no chance that God will look at you and say, look at your you know, silly, frivolous life. He's saying, this is what it means to be my child. Come and play with me. You can rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Let's pray together. Father, it is, it is such a counterintuitive idea in our world for us to just cease our doing Lord, we are just, we're wired for activity and uh, shutting it down is just not natural for us. But I pray that, especially in our, in our little church here, that you would help us be a people who could stop. We could stop doing and thinking and working and that we could experience the delight that, that we're, we're all working for. Lord, it's going to be hard for, for some. It's going to be easier for others. Uh, but we believe that this is where life is found, in a, 
in a sense of hearing your loving voice call out to us in all of the the hardest parts of our lives. So Lord, help us to do that. We pray it in, in Christ's name. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 